Welcome to the Geek Geek Podcast, where we are the remasters of the universe. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Bij. He doesn't know what that means. I don't know what Masters of the Universe is. BJ yelled at me that it's He-Man, so I trust him, but like, it's it's just a little bit too before my time. That's not what we're here to talk about today. We're not talking about He-Man. We're talking about <laughs> remasters in games, um, because I've been playing Assassin's Creed 3, the remaster that just came out, because it was part of the season pass or i might have bought like the digital deluxe edition or something of assassin's creed odyssey somehow i got this game and i didn't have to pay for it recently so that's why i've been playing it was it a ps plus game i think maybe i got it too like i think it might have been a playstation plus game no it was part of something with well actually i don't know if uh, assassin's creed 3 has ever been a ps plus game because if it was i wouldn't be surprised if they give you this one for free for only the other one is it a bad game no, it's not bad. It's just, it's, I don't know, but this is why I wanted to talk about remasters in general. But I, okay, let me dive into Assassin's Creed 3 just a little bit up front. So it's been really interesting to go back to it through this remaster because I'm seeing things that are like core to the series that they have moved on from, but then also other things that like aren't there anymore. And, you know, this is very much not level-based and open world like the last two games were. So this is kind of back to like the core of the series. Like I used to enjoy a lot and um, some of the mission types and some of the gameplay pieces don't even exist anymore in the more modern ones. Um, One of the things I noticed right away is that I just feel like a god now because I'm not level-gated by killing enemies and having to have them within my level range. It's so fun to feel like a true assassin again because of that. Yeah, I was wondering because when you said when you said that you felt like a god now, I was like, it's because you can kill people. You can just just sneak up behind anybody and kill them again. Yeah, I don't have to worry about like, oh, it's two levels ahead of me. I can't do enough damage. Like, I can just play the game that I want to play. But it also is making me realize like I like the open world. I like a lot of the changes they've made. It's just those changes to the way that like assassinations work and the levels that they've put in there that I still feel like I'm fighting against. If I could just and maybe maybe what I should do is buy the next game on PC and just hack my way around it so that I don't have to deal with levels. Um, um. Because really, I just wish they didn't exist in the games. But I think I like the open world ones better in a lot of ways and this one i mean there's a bunch of things with ac3 like the intro to the game is way too long before you even get to the main character like i think i'm four or five hours into the game and i'm not even at like the point where the main character opens up yet like it's a super super long intro have you ever like played this game or not the third one i've i actually think that i have it what i think i did was i have i bought it on humble bundle it was in one of the bundles that i've got for pc and uh i want to play this one because this is the american one right this is the american revolution yeah and i really like the setting too like i think that I'm a fan of the more modern Assassin's Creed settings, and the further back in time you go, I like some of them. I don't like other ones. It's more hit and miss. But like as you're getting closer to modern times, like I really liked Assassin's Creed Syndicate, and I really like this game. I liked it at the time, too, even though a lot of people didn't. I don't even remember what the complaints were. But um, yeah, this is the American Revolution, and it's Templars and Assassins, but there's... I can tell you how it works, but if you're going to play the game, it's kind of a spoiler, so I'm not going to I'm not going to straight up spoil it, but I will tell you that the intro of the game, there's a huge section where you play as someone who is not the main character, and it eventually ties back in and you will see very quickly how it ties in and why it ties in, but there's kind of like a twist that happens that takes you from the character you start as in the intro to the main character that you play for the rest of the game. And it's it's interesting that they did it at the time. It's just too slow. Yeah, I mean, I that really frustrates me in games when I know that what I'm playing... It, it, well, let me put it this way. It frustrates me when I'm playing someone that I know is not the main character, uh, where I just keep wanting and waiting to be able to get to the meat of the game because of them advertising that this is what the game is. Um, do you know going in that this isn't the character who... Uh, the, the primary assassin that you're going to be playing? No. I mean, if you've seen any of the marketing, you know who the... It's like right. Connor is the main character. And so when you start the game and you're not Connor, like, you know right away. You're like, something's going on here. But um, there's nothing that would lead you to believe there's like a huge portion of the game before you get to that character, unless you've played it before, like okay. I have. And yeah. so it's a long way in. Yeah, it's a long way in. And like, it's not... I mean, 
I'm not all the way to where it opens up yet, but you do take control of Connor at one point, but he starts out as like a kid and then he's a teenager and you kind of have to play through all these sequences along the way before you get to the main game. And I'm not even at the main game yet. So like, I want to keep playing to get to that part. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, I wish I could just like skip ahead a little bit. So there are, I mean, there's hit and miss parts of this game, but really overall, like to wrap back into the thought of remasters in general, this made me appreciate both types of games more like i have a better appreciation for the older style games because i've been away from them for so long that i i now have a clear picture of what they are and why i liked them and what they're offering that's different and i like the new games more too like it's not not all of the changes they made are bad and i knew that intellectually but i hadn't felt it until i went back and tried this game out and the other thing about uh, the remasters is like the graphics in this one they there are graphic updates and they have that kind of like a remaster quality to them where they look a little too smooth and the textures aren't quite detailed enough and you can tell that it wasn't designed for this resolution so that's that's something else that you should be aware of if you're going into that game that's actually what i was going to ask about because some remasters and one of the things that that really kind of puts me off of some of them is that the the graphics that they i don't want to say upscale but but the graphics that they upscale them to are not redone all the time and so they look really weird on these in this mega high definition running at 4k but there's a a super low polygon model and uh, this this kind of fuzzy almost uh fuzzy around the edges is the way it looks uh sometimes with with like the textures does this have that with that with the way they did or did they redo actually remake the the models and textures for this one no it looks it's pretty good in terms of remasters it's not the worst i've seen for sure but in general with remasters i've seen i I feel like games that are more stylized remaster better in terms of graphics if we're just talking about graphics because if there's a stylistic approach it ages better if they were going for realism and then you bring it up to modern standards and we're used to a certain graphic fidelity and it's not there you definitely feel it a lot more whereas like if you look back at like the final fantasy 7 remaster that just launched well there have been a couple of them over time but the latest mm-hmm. one that just launched on xbox and uh ps4 oh, no xbox no, switch. And switch yeah thanks and um same thing with like final fantasy 9 right like those ones are stylized in a way they're not realistic looking and i think that helps them a lot in terms of their graphics for the remasters which is weird because like final fantasy 8 is uh doesn't have a remaster but it's got a pc version which actually does have a a high resolution uh setting in it and it looks funky because it's the more realistic kind that uh being a PS1 game being kind being actually upscaled is uh makes those characters look uh like they have some strange faces. Yeah, and well, I wanted to talk about like Final Fantasies in general because they're such a great example of remasters because there are so many of them. Like Yeah. They've been on I mean, the PlayStation, I think you can get like every Final Fantasy game on it, but I've played them on a mix of like ios device and i played some on mobile i played some on the original platforms and then some i've come back around and like only played the remasters or i've played different versions of it that i was emulating on my pc and like doing things to make them upscale and like there's just such a variety of there and you and i were talking about this last week and i didn't realize that like the code from the playstation era was it sounds like it was mostly lost, right? Yeah, it it's gone from what I understand. That Square didn't really have an archival process at that point. That they were they finished a game and they just moved on to the next project. And so that's why the Final Fantasy VII ports all look different, have kind of uh, different pacing and setting, and uh, not necessarily setting, but. Uh, like graphical settings that make them look a little bit weird and look a little bit different. They'll have stutters and things like that because they're running on different code bases. They uh, they did it for Final Fantasy IX as well. You'll look at these new HD remasters and they have these really absolutely beautiful character models and then you have just grainy fuzzy pre-rendered backgrounds because they don't have the original art anymore they had they used to have these incredibly high definition uh high resolution real art pieces that they came from that they rendered them down to and now that all we have is the uh, compressed version for the playstation uh because those originals aren't there anymore it's 
it's it's terrible. Like there's an article I'm going to include in the show notes about this uh, that talks a bit more about it. Well, like you and I were saying, like poor Final Fantasy VIII, it's just gotten left out because they haven't seen enough of a business case for it yet to go through the trouble of rebuilding that code base from scratch because they don't have that source code. Like if yeah. they had the source code, I'm sure they would just like use that and remaster the game. But their options right now are to either like take the final files that they have and run them in an emulator. So that's like the PlayStation Vita versions of these games that you could get for PS Classics, um, that whole program. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's no there's no easy way to remaster these games like you would anticipate that there is yeah i mean the the absolute best that i mean obviously the best that you would do is probably emulate them at this point but i mean even trying to deconstruct the code and open up what's on the discs and it's just too much trouble it it's entirely like like trying to reverse engineer the source code of a 20 year old game isn't worth them doing it i mean that's that's why the final fantasy 7 remakes have taken such a uh, long time to actually get right well and you'd think that eventually they'll go back to eight just because like they want to remaster the whole collection and it's one of the only odd ones out right now but it's just like when will they finally get to it yeah i mean the only one the only port that i know of is is the pc port and i grabbed it on steam a while back just because it was uh, super cheap and i was like i'm never i'm never gonna play it anywhere else so i might as well get this and uh, because i've been wanting to replay it again and i don't know where it came from or uh i know austin had told me that uh square enix had basically said that it was a no-go that they were not going to be doing final fantasy 8 but i haven't seen the official tweets or article that that came from i just know that uh, he was talking about it and a few other people were talking about it i hope they do eventually it just it feels so weird because it literally every final fantasy from 1 to 12 has a remaster except for final fantasy 11 because it's an online persisting game so like that makes sense you wouldn't remaster that right it's gotten updates over time you just leave that alone but the only one that's a single player rpg between final fantasy 1 and 12 that hasn't been remastered is 8 Yep, and some of those have multiple remasters. Oh yeah, that, that's too. what that's what's weird about the way that they've done some of these. It's not as though they're doing one HD remaster or one mechanics remaster or anything, and then moving that onto different platforms. They're making multiples of these that that they're remastering it in the style of of the original, and then they're remastering it with new graphics and new sprites, and then they're remastering it in 3D, uh, kind of like they did with Final Fantasy three. I know they did that. I know that they've done that with the actual three not american three um and then final fantasy four i know they did that with the after years where there's a 2d remaster of four then they did a different 2d remaster of four in the after years that i know came out on the psp or ps vita one and then there is a full 3d remaster that you can get on mobile uh which i think may there might even be an, an after years 3d remaster i don't know if it is or not there might i mean i've only played the 3d uh mobile remasters of final fantasy 3 and 4 like that's the only way that i've ever played those games and i've also only played the the ios version of final fantasy 5 which is a 2d remaster Mm -hmm. so it's like you're right they just like they run the gamut it's all these different approaches and all these different remasters and 8 has been left out which is interesting i mean um, and when you think about it even 14 got a remaster because they redid everything in final fantasy 14 a realm reborn because they had overdone everything in a, kind of a demaster actually where they had had such high polygon uh like like flora and they had to take that down a notch and actually redo the maps redo character models redo everything for a realm reborn so technically even it got remastered before uh before the release for a better version yeah and i mean not to like stay on final fantasy too long like you mentioned kingdom hearts was another really good example right i love the remasters that they've done for kingdom hearts like they've got the the most absurd names at this point where um I think now there's like a it's either a complete saga or the complete story or the story so far, something like that. And uh, where all of them are in one box. But I mean, you have Kingdom Hearts 1.5 and 2.8 or 
1.5 and 2.5 and then 2.8 and then you have 0.5 a fragmentary journey just they're, they're, their naming conventions are crazy but they those remasters are awesome like i like the remasters because i don't know a lot of the technical aspects of any of the remasters that they've done i haven't looked into the kingdom hearts remakes but the ones that they have ported from like the 3ds and the psp are better games than the originals that they've had to change the control styles they've had to do a lot of uh actual remastering of it that made them better that uh it's not nearly as awkward to play now and that's cool i love when they take some time to just like tighten up the controls or change the way some of the core controls works that they meet modern standards and i think that's a great thing to do when you're remastering a game well and like i mean you said dragon quest is another one i mean a lot of this is square enix here up front just because like they they remaster so (laughs) many of their games they just go back to that well over and over again because there is so much nostalgia and so much love around these core series of theirs. I mean, it's really Final Fantasy, Kingdom Hearts, and Dragon Quest are the main ones, right? Yeah, and Dragon Quest, oh man, I'm sure Austin's going to do a blog on this at some point because he's the one actually playing through them and seeing them and comparing them and going Dragon Quest crazy. But, like, they're weird the way that they do their Dragon Quest remasters. I mean, the graphics will improve in one of them. Like, they will take uh, Final Fantasy, uh, or not Final Fantasy, but Dragon Quest Three was on the NES, and and then they'll actually make a Super Nintendo remake of it. I think. I think somebody's going to tell me I'm wrong, but I think they did that. And then, like now, there is there's a th- there's a mobile version of it and a DS version of it. And then there was like a Game Boy Color version of things like that, and they combined them. But what they do on them is super weird, where they don't always remaster everything consistently. Like the graphics may get improved in one of them, but the music end up being not orchestral anymore, or they oh, might yeah, I like. That take away the voice track on one but make the music orchestral where it's like everything can't be like they can't do an entire game once over um like like dq7 like that one did not sell well on the ps1 like it was a 2d uh two and a half d sprite based game uh and it kind of got overlooked when it came out and uh then uh they redid it for the ds and mobile now it's on mobile as well where it's a dual screen, like rotating two and a half D full uh, polygonal adventure that they redid. It's like a hundred hour thing where they basically made a new game it uh, over it, kind of like they did with the Final Fantasy four uh, 3D remake. In the Final and the Final Fantasy three ones, but it's like even Dragon Quest eleven is kind of getting it with the Switch because they're remastering the Game Boy version. I put Game Boy Advance on here, the uh, on my notes, but the three DS version of it is uh, low def. I don't know. It's in three DS graphics, but they're having to it's master like, no, it. I know up. what you're talking about. So when they when they launch uh, Dragon Quest eleven in Japan, there are two different versions. There's a PS four game, which is a totally like three D game. It's the same game that we got and then there's a 3ds one where you have options for graphics and like one of the options is 3d it's like downscaled to fit on 3ds or something Mm -hmm. but then you can flip it into this 2d mode and it plays like a traditional dragon quest game so they made the entire game twice through two different perspectives but they put it into the same game and i think you can like freely switch between them mid play um i think that you can play them simultaneously like i think that the top can be 2d and the bottom can be 3d and you're looking at both of them at the same time like it's really strange and it's like they're redoing that 2d and putting it in on the switch so you're getting hd sprites and everything which they may already have made but they're still doing it for switch but they're also cutting out quest lines and locations and a full party member most likely out of that because they're exclusive to the 3ds because they use like a street pass to pull things in it's it's like and the u.s version of ps4 and pc had a voice track like we had full voice acting the japanese versions didn't and the switch version is the one that's going to have a full japanese voice acting it's like i do not understand how square approaches square enix approaches dragon quest ports and remasters like this it's like something is always missing like there's never enough time or money to do 
everything and something has to be uh, be given up. Strange. Well, I, I, I don't know. It's interesting, too, because like remasters are across the board, right? It's not just right. Square Enix, even though we're focusing on that here because there's so many good examples through them. But like Nintendo has done it, too. You know, like Mario 64. There's a Mario 64 DS version. Super that's weird, kind too. Of really weird. Yeah. There's a Star Fox 64 th- for 3DS. And that's a great remaster it's like upscaled and ported but like it's in 3d and that is like the definitive version of that game in my mind at this point and you know there's like metroid 2 for the gba and there's all of these like ios ports too you know like final fantasy and dragon quest are part of that but there's stuff in there like knights of the old republic like if you look on the ios store knights of the old republic is consistently one of the top paid games in there and that's bioware you know like there there are so many companies doing so many remasters and uh, ubisoft right they're like remastering yeah. their assassin's creed games there's the whole Ezio collection that you can buy as one package or now there's this remaster of ac3 that just came out the other week and all these companies are doing it so like in general i want to talk about some of the big trends before we jump off this topic and i think graphics is probably a good place to start because it's one of the most obvious it's like they always update the graphics and it doesn't always work out well i think is the best way to say it so like assassin's creed 3 i kind of mentioned it up front but the you know it just it's kind of meh like it works it's fine i'm sure it's better in a lot of ways than when i played it a long time ago when it came out but like there's something about the way it was upscaled and remastered that the faces and the eyes are just kind of like Eh, like meh yeah the the graphics when they do the the it's mostly faces too it's like yeah. when you it's like there there's always something off about them and I, I it's not even uncanny valley kind of off it's just something about that and the one of the problems even other than that are the animations that go with it because what looked really awesome before you can tell are not nearly as smooth once you move them into uh side by side with modern modern games oh it's yeah like, and i mean there's a certain look to remasters of those early 3d games like those specifically have this like remaster quality to them mm-hmm. where it's obvious that they're at a better resolution and they're sharper but because they've done that something is lost because all the designs for the game were at that original lower resolution and it's i don't know i'm not enough of a technical person or graphics person or like game designer to be able to articulate it so i won't stick with this point for very long but it's a very certain look and when you know it you know it and you see it and you're like "Ooh, that's yep that's definitely remastered upscaled something and i I was watching something on youtube the other day and now i can't remember what it was but it was a game designer who got mad that their their game got redone and remastered and uh, said that the way that and that it was in widescreen and they got mad that it was in widescreen. It was supposed to be in four by three and uh, said that if you really want to play this game, then you play it in four by three, not widescreen. And <laughs> I cannot remember what I was watching and what game that was, but it stuck out to me because they were mad about the widescreen conversion. Well, And that's also the case with like DVD remasters. It wasn't a video game. It wasn't a video game. It was DVD remasters because Joss Whedon said that about the horrible, horrible remaster of Buffy the Vampire Slayer that they had to go like, how you remaster a dvd is that they have to take the original footage and then go frame by frame and redo remake all of the uh, color color grading all of the um all the special effects things like that because they're all you know generated at the lower resolution and they apparently did the buffy ones by algorithm and you can see uh how the cropping went wrong how just everything is destroyed in terms of scene set up and and just coloring like some scenes that were daylight or that were in at night before or daylight now and it's just insane it was joss whedon who said that uh buffy was meant to be in four by three that's how we directed this and shot it it wasn't a video game remaster it was a dvd remaster yeah it's so interesting though that like it, it applies to kind of any creative work that gets redone or remastered but i mean like game specifically it's not even just visuals like we're talking about like ui updates are a huge thing which i guess is partially graphics but it's part of just like the user experience you know um 
I was thinking about like Final Fantasy VI on iOS. Well, like really all of the Final Fantasies on iOS, where they they completely change the entire interface, and it's for the better because it fits the platform. More. Not on six. I actually like the the everything but six's interface better. Like I love Final Fantasy V's mobile interface. I didn't like six nearly as much because they they had tried with the active time battle stuff with the actual commands moving up and down instead of giving you just a regular menu. I didn't like that that nearly as much and they changed the controller on it the actual uh, d-pad or stick or whatever you used on screen yeah six is probably one of the weaker ones of the 2d remasters it's still better than like one and two i don't know if you've gone back and tried those oh no i haven't played any of the remasters of one and two since the ps1 okay yeah and one and two are i mean they were some of the first remasters they did so it makes sense they're a little weaker um six is definitely better than those but i think you're right like four and five are probably some of the tightest remasters they've done on mobile which is really interesting and like five is awesome the, the ui stuff ties right into like gameplay updates too in a lot of aspects you know um some of it is like the ui bleeds over into the way you interact with the game and but sometimes it's like they straight up just like modernize the controls like you were saying earlier um you know i was looking at some of the final fantasy remasters and i'm thinking about picking up seven or nine because like they have new controls where um you can actually use like the analog sticks and yeah that was something that i forgot like when i played the psp or not psp uh ps vita versions of these and it played the original ps1 games mm-hmm. like those didn't have analog stick support those were like totally d-pad games i go in and remap my vita my vita controls to the analog stick now because you can actually go in on the special controls and uh make up down left and right on the keypad be uh mapped to the uh, analog stick i do it in every game that i play that doesn't have analog support uh, I, I didn't realize how much i disliked the d-pad in game in games like that until i couldn't use the analog stick yep no i did that exact same thing when i played through i think i played final fantasy 7 through 9 on the mm. vita and i did that exact same thing where i mapped them but like just knowing that they actually went and supported it the correct way like yeah that's awesome that's great like it'll actually work with like an analog stick should now and they do other things too like they added boosts to the final fantasy games so i know final fantasy 7 and 9 both have versions where you can trigger these boosts to do things like instantly get full health or do full damage or like get a limit break just whenever you want so if you want to replay the games for the story which is kind of the point that i'm at now like i've played through a lot of the final fantasy games multiple times i don't know if i'm in a good headspace or if i have enough time to actually play through the games as they were created and push all the way through but i wonder if i just go all in on cheating right at the beginning because i've already done the gameplay like i know the gameplay if i just want to re-experience the story this might be a good way to do it just like limit break everything and just destroy the game and but play it for the story instead that's true you would not have to worry about any of the grinding for bosses you wouldn't have to do worry about any of that like i haven't got the nine or the seven remasters on anything so like these boosts are they just like menu options kind of like in a lego game or something i think that it's it's like core to the game where i don't know if you have to go into a menu and activate them one time but as i understand it like once you're in it you just like click in both sticks or you like hit you hit buttons that didn't exist on those old controllers Uh and it'll just like instantly like fill up all your limit break or like give you full health or do max damage or whatever it is that it does it's basically just cheats built into the game that is that is awesome because since Sekiro came out i've seen so many people talking about difficulty and cheats and and just also like difficulty setting and a lot of people i know the people our age are all going in on yeah i'll cheat in the game if i'm not having fun or i just start out on easy mode it's like it takes me like i've said before the moment i stop having fun i go to a guide that uh or i or i lower the difficulty or something like i start out on normal but the moment i'm not having fun anymore it's not worth the uh frustration unless like sekiro like you said it's like you're gonna try it you're gonna do it and then you know you get better because that's what the game is but i'm not banging my head against a wall because it's just poorly designed well and i mean if you look at like the other final fantasy games on mobile you know stepping back to like those that are slightly older but they're still remasters a lot of those have auto battle which goes so far towards helping with the grind like I would not do the four job fiesta for Final Fantasy V every year the way that I do right now if auto battle did not exist. Like that's why I play that iOS version. Well, 
I also play it because it my phone's in my pocket and it's always within <laughs> arm's reach of me. That that's a big part of it. But the other part is that auto battle is there, so I can just kind of zone out and just grind until I'm a high enough level, and then I can move on with the story. You know, it's another way to get over that hurdle of like I don't necessarily want the challenge of like the gameplay outside of the boss battles those i still want to do but i don't want to grind like i've beaten that game i don't even know how many times at this point oh yeah and most of the most of the battles that i've done on final fantasy 6 when i'm playing it on mobile it was done with auto battle like there's no point like playing the final fantasy i have uh final fantasy 9 on the vita that uh that i ended up i need to go finish but it hurts me that there's not auto battle on it. Uh, the same for uh, uh, what is the game that I didn't even play? Um, Legend of Dragoon. Like everyone tells me that this story and this game is wonderful. And I started playing it and it was a hard pass because the battles were so slow and they required actual attention. It's the same reason I didn't pick up Octopath Traveler because I don't want every single random battle to be something that that takes 15 minutes to go through or takes my full attention well it's interesting too because they've like come around to putting those in their old games as they remaster it for some of them but not all of them but then if you look at what they did later going forward so if you look at like final fantasy 13 that game is basically auto battle you you pick the strategy but when you're actually in the fights you just hit the a button and it picks all the best things for you yep that's it. I mean, it was and it was honestly fun. Yeah, I but, like that game. I like that game yeah, a lot I mean, more than most people do, I think. And maybe that's from playing it multiple times and coming to appreciate it for what it is instead of what I expected it to be. I probably like it more now than I did after my first playthrough, you know, mm-hmm. now having played through it multiple times. Um, You're, you but, are one of the few people to play through 13 that I know to play through 13 more than one time. Yeah. And like I said, I liked it better the second time. Well, and some of these games also not only like let you auto battle, but um, I know that seven, nine and 12, those remasters, all of those have speed options where you can speed up the game to like three or four times the original speed. Huh. And that's another reason why I'm thinking about picking up these remasters on the Switch is because that appeals to me a lot. I mean, I'm somebody who listens to podcasts on, you know, two and a half times speed, plus with the smart speed, taking out all the pauses between when people talk, right. it's more like 3x speed. And I like that. I, I function well at those speeds. Um, but the thing is when it's built into the core of, because, okay, let me say, when I played <laughs> through uh, 12, I did this because it was an option in the emulator that I was using. You could crank it way up, but everything in the game speeds way up. That's what I was about to ask, if it was just battles or if it was everything. So the thing that another reason why these games are looking super appealing to me, these remasters that are just coming out right now, is because they built the speed options into the game, but they did it for just battles and movement so that you don't have to i think it's probably text scroll speed too if you want to go super fast nice. but it's not messing with the music it's not messing with the sound effects it's not messing with any of the other core pieces of the game that you actually want to interact with oh. so all of those are standard speed but then all the things that you would want to fly past you can go much much faster i didn't know that 12 had this like Austin and you are both like every time 12 comes up, you're like, oh, my God, play Final Fantasy 12. I'm the Final Fantasy 12 ogre. Ah. And I'm not like that. He's like that. He's like is, that. You just keep telling me to play because it it's really bag. good. It's I don't know. It's 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 worth having the context. If you like Final Fantasy the way that I do, I'm glad I've played through it twice. But I don't know. There's a lot of rough edges around that game, too, because it's a really strange middle ground of like almost a first person MMO. But it's still like a single player, or not first person, sorry. It's like a single player MMO. It's like in that age of like where everything was going towards MMO. Yep. And this was a single player game, but they needed to get that MMO aspect. And then there's a whole piece of like programming in there that like functions like auto battle where you don't actually have to do the battles yourself. Yep. And that was annoying for grinding. But I wonder if when you can speed it up four times speed, if it gets way better, because yeah. I could easily see that. That's what I'm thinking, because when you say that you can change everything into like a, like at four times speed, that would make so much of what made me dislike the game 
go so much easier because the traipsing back and forth really got to me. The the slow kind of, not so much plotting battles, but deliberate battles. I just couldn't get into it. But with a speed option for gameplay and not just battles, that might actually keep me interested because I do want to know about this story. Yeah, exactly. So maybe some of these are ones that you should check out. I mean, I'm tempted, even though I've beaten all these multiple times, like all of these quality of life things and like basically cheats that they've built into it those are super appealing to me and yeah. i guess like before we jump off the topic of remasters playing through some remasters especially again assassin's creed 3 has been on my mind but like i've played other remasters recently too it makes me remember how far we've come in game design and modern game design and like how quickly we've come that far and part of it is like finding out that i don't love certain older games as much as i thought i did which is sad but it's so interesting for context because like a game can be so built up in my mind and be amazing and then when i go back and play it i'm like oh I'm let down. This is not as good as I thought. And it just kind of completely shifts your view on games from that era, I think. And so you and I were talking about this. And for me, the best example is probably Ocarina of Time. Like, oh, yeah. As much as I loved that game at the time, and I still think it's like one of the most important games for like gaming and gaming history and when it came out and all the context around it, I could never play that game again. Like it's just I don't enjoy that game. I wish I did. I wish I still loved it as much as I did after my first playthrough, but it's just not a game for me. And you said Final Fantasy X is kind of like yeah. that for you. Final Fantasy X, I'm just done with. Like, I loved this game. Like, I will never forget the wonderful times that I had in college sitting in my dorm room playing Final Fantasy X when it was brand new. But going back when I got my Vita playing the HD remaster, I realized that just kind of like you said about Kingdom Hearts 3, it is definitely a PlayStation 2 game. And there were things about that, just the entire, just its whole thing that wasn't for me anymore, like like Ocarina of Time was for you, where I've heard about Ocarina enough that I'm not going back to it, that uh, I have my copy sitting on my shelf where it is 100% complete. I'm good. I loved that game when I was 14 and it was brand new, and I'm not going to even attempt to relive that because I know it won't hold up. That's probably a good idea. And okay, last thought here on remasters, because we've been going for a while, but looking at these and thinking about picking them up again has made me really like think about how I would like to see modern takes on some of these old techniques. Like just because we have 3D models now and the default is make everything in 3D in 3D world, like I would really love to see what a modern take on the 3D models on top of pre-rendered backgrounds looks like. Oh, yeah. Because I've been looking at a lot of like gameplay videos and screenshots from the Final Fantasy VII and Final Fantasy IX remakes, and I'm like, wow, I wonder how amazing they could make some of these things look if they took this and just did it to modern standards and did this as like the base of the entire game. And you were saying you're kind of the same way on 2D in general, right? I'm the same way with 2D graphics. It's like if I have the opportunity to play a game that has 2D graphics and, and that's sprite-based. I mean, I don't mean just that it's on a two-dimensional plane, that if something is sprite-based, I much prefer it these days to a 3D game, but especially if it's a remaster or an older game, because I know it's going to hold up better, that there are very, very few games. Uh, Kingdom Hearts is really the only one that I can think of that has really fully held up. Like, it's definitely an older game, but it, it held up a lot better to me because of the style the stylistic choices that they've made where if it's a 2d game like going back and playing wild arms did not feel the 3d was one thing but the 2d part of it felt just as modern as any zelda zelda clone that's out there and uh it's it's like i much prefer that and i would love to see some pre-rendered backgrounds like that it's uh it because with pre-rendered backgrounds one of the things i've noticed going back and playing some remasters like wild arms 3 and uh is it rogue galaxy that uh that yeah. level five did uh yeah I know what you're talking about. I going, think it's Pro Galaxy. Going back to that makes me really appreciate how far we've come in terms of camera work and graphics just in general. Like the cell shading on it looks really cool, but the camera work and the way that you have to control it uh, and some of them where you have to hit the L and R buttons to rotate a camera is like, 
I, I don't want 3D graphics like that. Like this, this mechanic doesn't hold up because of you using 3D graphics. You should have just done this in 2D with a fixed camera. And uh, pre-rendered backgrounds lets you do that, and it's beautiful, and it holds up better by far than a 3D uh, polygonal world. Cool, awesome. Well, a lot of remaster thoughts. I that went longer than I expected, but in a really good way. That was fun. Um, if you guys have any like remasters that we didn't talk about, because there's so many out there that we should check out that we might not even be aware of like send them our way like i will gladly look i'm super interested in this topic at the moment well i know austin actually really liked the spyro remaster he beat it uh, very quickly he loved it uh on the ps4 he got it for christmas and i watched him play part of it definitely looks like a spyro remaster but it still looked fun and the link i'm including in the show notes about uh the final fantasy source code and everything there's actually a screenshot of what one of the original hd pre-rendered backgrounds looked like and what's in the game uh right now where it's been scaled down and you can see the difference that was lost because they lost the original art so that side by side is really cool so y'all uh, look at the notes and see that oh lost to history sad. Oh, so sad um okay with that we should probably dive into our geeky off of the week why don't you tell everybody about patreon well guys we have patreon and we would really appreciate you going over to patreon.com slash geek to geek cast and seeing some of the rewards tossing us a little bit of support uh it goes to hosting the podcast and that is what it does we are we are not fat cats out to uh to make the big bucks so uh if you want to uh to get some cool stuff like a new discord role some reddit flare uh anything like that even tell us what to talk about on a podcast uh, like we did with the lit rpg episode uh, a few weeks back then you can go to patreon.com slash geek to geek cast and uh support us help us out a little bit sweet uh around the network this week geekitude uh joe's still healing but we're hoping that they'll be back soon with geekitude two time with katie and chelsea they talked about love simon which is like a book and a movie and that was super interesting to listen to um capsule j is streaming on tuesdays from 8 to 11 p.m eastern and sometimes on thursdays and weekends and then troidal is always streaming on thursdays sometimes after dinner the other thing that troidal is in the middle of doing right now which is super ambitious is he launched a short-term podcast called Podcasters Assemble, and then in parentheses, probably. Um, It's a crowdsourced Marvel hype podcast, and he's releasing daily episodes about each MCU movie right up to the release of Avengers Endgame. So it's really just running this month, but we want to give a shout-out, and like, if you have any interest in the MCU or Marvel or comics or anything... Go check it out. It's called Podcasters Assemble, probably. And I'm, I'm so excited to start hearing these episodes. They're just coming out as we're recording this. And as we're recording this, I have to throw it in while we're talking about that, that Rob made a really strange choice for part of his, uh, and it was a goof. But apparently he called uh, Samuel L. Jackson Nicolas Cage at one point in it, and I just think that's funny. That uh, <laughs> okay. I don't know if it's going to make it into the final episode, but just that that I saw a message in Slack about it where it's uh that's a that's a good mistake and I had to tell everybody. <laughs> wow. Okay, with that it's time for weekly geekery where we share what we've been geeking out about this week. What'd you do this week? Uh so Crazy Ex Girlfriend had its series finale. Uh the show was over. Uh, all four seasons are now done. It it finished up this week. And it is one of the few shows that I can honestly say stuck the landing. I was really hesitant at the uh, beginning of the season and honestly all the way through the season until the lot like the the penultimate episode that they were gonna really kind of just handle it wrong and they didn't it was one of the best series finales i've seen they uh they actually wrapped things up they they did things with characters and they didn't cop out on things it uh it's very rare for a finale to not cop out on some things and i think they actually did a very good job in terms of uh in terms of making sure that everyone got got i don't even want to say everyone because these these characters in the show like the show means way more to me than than i expected it to uh but the uh the just everybody got a conclusion i don't even want to say an ending because that's the entire point of it is that uh it's not an ending but you know people live their lives and uh everybody goes through these things and none of it's a an ending per se and it's just they handled it so well i i can't 
say speak highly enough that uh, when you get a complete show that tells a complete story and they don't botch the ending, it is a rare thing. And I think that if you uh, if you are into musical shows or uh, into a into like mental health and dealing with like relationships and things like that, it you should watch Crazy Ex Girlfriend. And Jennifer actually gave me one of my Valentine's Day presents the night of the finale. Apparently, she had uh, gone through a website that that you can request video messages from actors and actresses and she got uh gabriella ruiz to uh record me a a video for uh finale night to talk to me and uh that was so sweet it was uh it was it was just wonderful so i was i was very happy and confused when uh jennifer showed me a video of gabriella ruiz who plays valencia to uh start talking to me it was odd but i really really loved it wow that's cool yeah it was super cool and she had been trying to get a voice message uh well a video message from uh as she put it from a pretty lady uh to me since uh we watched lost you were supposed to get evangeline lily to to do it there were uh scheduling conflicts with the program that was doing it and as a replacement they sent me a uh, pilot script of Lost signed by the entire cast which Honestly, I would rather have like it's super awesome. And uh, like uh, but 10 years later, she's able to get me <laughs> a video a video message from a pretty lady. And uh, so that was awesome. And so uh, Wild Arms, I've also been doing that. You know, I, I told you last week that I was uh, probably going to play it through to, to completion. And I'm stopping right now. I'm, I'm almost exactly halfway through the game. and I'm taking a hiatus because of one particular reason that I did not know. I hate random battles so much now. Have you yeah. played Have you played an RPG recently that has just random battles? Yeah. They're the I'm, worst. I'm not a fan either. I they don't feel right. They just no. feel like they waste time now. Um and I can get over it for some of the legacy games I go back to, like Final Fantasies specifically, mm-hmm. but random battles are the reason that i haven't replayed final fantasy games more than i have already i basically have to psych myself up every year getting ready for the four job fiesta because there's so many random battles and the way i get over it is i listen to podcasts where i watch tv or whatever while i'm grinding and then when i actually like go through a dungeon i pay attention and you know i can do that because i have it on my phone my phone's always with me i just mute the sound i don't actually hear any of the sound in the game so i can listen to a podcast while i'm playing or i'll just like i said i'll put on a show or a movie or something that i want to catch up on and i'll just like go back and forth with auto battle and just like let the grind happen but i am so much more appreciative of bravely default and any other thing like bravely default that has given you options to turn random battles off or up or down down or like because what i used what i did in bravely default was i would crank it way up and then i would just grind in a section for a little bit while i was doing other things similarly you know Mm -hmm. tv movies whatever um and then when i was ready to progress i would turn random battles off And then I would actually just like play the game and like do the story and like get to the next boss battle and all that kind of stuff until I was ready to level up again. And I would kind of switch over into that mode. Yep. If they ever got on my nerves, I would just turn them off for a little bit and finish that dungeon or get across the desert or wherever I was going. And it was it was great being able to do that. This one I couldn't because it's a PlayStation 1 game. I got so frustrated. Like I just had to stop. But right before I stopped, I got the spell to lower the encounter rate. So uh, but it was too late. I was already frustrated and being like, no. And uh, (laughs) when I start back, I will it will be amazingly helpful because I am going to go back to this. But it was like no more random battles. No more. No more. No more random battles with no auto battle. Mm mm. Mm -mm. I think that it is honestly one of the reasons that uh, Chrono Trigger holds up so well compared to every other RPG of that time is because it doesn't have random battles. Mm -hmm. It has encounter battles where you walk into an area and you can't help but get into the fight, but it doesn't have random overworld battles like what we're talking about. And even though some of those are completely unavoidable, it's different. You're not just trying to do something to get to the end of the room and get attacked and then you get attacked again just because of, of just randomness because of RNG. It's not it's not good. Bad yeah, design. Yeah, for sure. Um, it actually made me when Austin and I are working on the Stratus RPG that uh, we are we decided to do the same thing, like not do random battles, but have placed enemies on the map. Like it's it's we're not doing random battles because they're terrible. Um, 
that said, you know, I didn't even put this on the on the list, but yesterday, as of this recording, we're recording on Tuesday, so Monday of this week uh, was the six year anniversary of us releasing uh, Nimbus out on uh, as an omnibus, the full novel that we did. So it was uh, crazy that it was that it's been that long. I don't even feel like it's been that long, but we geeked out about that for a little bit and uh, put up a screenshot from this game and everything. But we were so we were so excited that it was six years ago that we got to the number one on the Amazon steampunk list. I still think that's so cool. So cool. Um, but, you know, last week we were talking about impulse buys, and I told you that I was uh, probably not going to, that I wanted to impulse buy Legend of Heroes, wanted to tr- uh, impulse buy Trails in the Sky, and I hadn't yet. But then I got mad at Wild Arms, and I bought it. I bought Trails in the Sky for the Vita, and I was like, I'm going to play this. Everybody says it's wonderful. And it's so good. Have you played this? I don't mm, maybe I might have rented it and bounced off it really quick. I've never really given a Legend of Heroes game um, a true shot beyond the first couple hours. It's so it's odd um, in that the the <laughs> the on Steam, the synopsis that you get of, you know, this is happening. You know, this is what's going on. Here's the setup. Um, I'm six and a half hours into the game right now, and it is has just finished gotten to the point where what happened in the synopsis to tell you for the setup is done and i love it like you can see the love that they've put into this world and the world building it's it's the most already the most detailed of any rpg world i've ever seen like it's just insane and the battles are a mix between tactics battles and um like chrono trigger battles you can see the enemies on the world but you get in there and it's almost a mini tactics rpg where positioning matters but you can just hit attack and it runs up and attacks the nearest thing like it's it's really good it's kind of like lunar uh where positioning mattered but you didn't actually get to move around like you wanted i can totally see why uh, Grant has been wanting me to, to to play this, and so many other people love this. Um, the writing is just good. Like that's one thing that that struck me from the beginning. As soon as I started it, the people were talking like people, and it was like, oh, oh, they have writers and translators who know what they're doing. Okay, and then I kept playing it, and I'm gonna lose the next like 600 hours of gameplay to this this series. It's like I watched a YouTube video a while back that said it was like a giant like 600 hour RPG on its own. Like once you take all of the pieces and put them together, and uh, I can totally see that now. Just six hours in, I'm like, man, I'm not even scratching the surface. Like I'm I've been still been in the the first town until uh, I turned it off this morning uh, to go to work. Like it's one of the best impulse buys I've ever made. Wow. Okay. I'm super curious now to see if you stick with it over the next few weeks. Me too, because I'm, I, I get like this occasionally, but this one is, this one has that feeling like I did when I started Xenoblade 2, where I was like, nope, this is mine. And uh, I'm, it's really cool so far. Okay. Well, good. I, I want to hear more about it. I hope you stick with it and you actually like it as much as you think you do. Me too. Okay, cool. Um, this week, I I went to see a museum exhibit, and I don't know how to talk about that and make it interesting, but I bring it up just to say, if you guys ever get the opportunity to go see Sunken Cities of Egypt, if it's at a museum near you, you should, because it's really, really oh, good. Cool. I went to see it at Minneapolis Institute of Art, so that was fun. Um, I played this little game called Golf Peaks on iOS, which is like, it's a couple bucks, it's a paid game, but it was... I don't know. It's like a fun little low key golf puzzle game with cards. So it's like a turn based puzzle game. Um, and you're just trying to like get the ball in the hole. I mean, it's it's simple, but it gets complex, too, because of all the different things you can do with it. So that was kind of cool. Um, I found a new podcast called 50 Things That Made the Modern Economy, which hmm. is exactly what it sounds like. And it's it's really interesting, but it's it's not much more than it sounds like it's just like 50 <laughs> things that made the modern economy um it's self-explanatory but it's good and they're short that's the other thing i should mention like you know most podcasts that i listen to are long or they're people talking or having an interesting conversation like we try to do for you every week um oh. this one is like more the the presentation style where they like come with a thing prepared and it's not necessarily like a read off a piece of paper or news but it's definitely like they have a thing they're going to read through it and then you're going to be done and so every one is like 10 minutes at max okay. which is really cool some of the things that i actually a bunch of time on this week i finally got into elder scrolls blades which has been in like open beta or not open but like 
alpha or beta or something where it launched on iOS, but you yeah. couldn't play it unless they gave you like approval to get into it. It was in this really weird state for a couple of weeks there. And it's finally, I think, open to everybody. Um, but I got in a couple days before it opened to everybody. And it's... I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to stick with it long term, but I've been playing it consistently for most of this week, which is a good sign. The core of the game is like you go into a dungeon, you like do the dungeon crawl to complete the quest and then you leave and you start you just go from the town to the dungeon. There's no like open world like an Elder Scrolls game normally is. And you're trying to rebuild your town because the town was destroyed and you're trying to explore dungeons because it's fun. I mean, it's dungeon crawler. That's what the game is at its core. That's okay. I think it's okay. I don't know if it's enough is the problem. Um, there's a lot of cool features around it. You can play it vertically or you can play it horizontally. So if it's vertically, you can like tap on the ground to walk to places like you can in like a Diablo type game. You know, you just click to walk. If you have it horizontal, you can use it like two digital like analog sticks you know, mm. in the corners of your screen. And that's how I've been playing it a lot when I'm actually in a dungeon and I want to see a lot wider because the screen is so much wider if you have it horizontal. Right. But you can, whenever you want, you can switch back and forth between the two. You literally just hit your phone and the whole game rotates and all the controls change, which I thought was super cool because that's not always the case in games. No, um, it's and not. Then, that means that they actually thought this game out a little bit. They did because, yeah, like I'm, you know, every once in a while I'll like play a game over work or uh, over work, over lunch at work. And it's like I can hold up my phone vertically like I'm doing anything. Like no one knows what I'm doing on my phone. <laughs> Whereas if you have it horizontally and you're doing like some analog sticks, people are like, oh, you're playing a game. Not that yep. I care that much, but, you know, it's one of those things where if I'm like, oh, I'll just jump in and play a dungeon, sometimes I'll leave it vertical. Um, I keep switching back and forth. It's just cool that you have that ability to do that. And then um, it's probably one of the best looking games that I've seen on a phone. And it doesn't destroy my battery to do it, which is just amazing to me. Like the quality of the graphics look to me like ps like three and xbox 360 like they're of that quality wow. but they're on the phone yeah it's super impressive i just i don't know if there's enough meat there yet like i want another week with it but there's i mean the combat is like you hold down your thumb and then when the timing happens you let go and it'll like swing your weapon to do damage and then there's another button that if you haven't attacked super recently you can like hold up a shield to block and if you block at the right time it acts more as like a parry and it stuns them and then there's a whole thing around like you have abilities that can build out for stamina and you have magic that can build out for magicka like some of the core Elder Scroll stuff is there. I just don't know if the the core of the combat is fun enough to drag you through the game. Because outside of that combat and those dungeon crawls, there's not a whole lot else there. That is a completely different game than I thought it was. I thought what it was a card was? game. I thought no, it was Hearthstone. There's, I mean, there is an Elder Scrolls card game, but it's not this one. Okay, I didn't. Then I did not know that this game existed. I thought that this everything everybody was talking about was the card game. I am completely ignorant of this game, so I'm gonna have to look into this one. Okay, you should check it out and let me know what you think because you also have thoughts about the Elder Scrolls. So yeah. maybe we can talk about it more next week. Yeah, because I um, avoided it because people. I just assumed I was like, I'm not in the mood for a card game, and never even looked at it because I didn't know that this particular game was in development. I thought it was just the card game so like let's talk about card games for a second because the other thing i've been playing a lot this week is magic the gathering arena and <sighs> i'm super surprised that i'm playing this game because i have i've played magic over the years right like in person with other people i've never really bought my own magic cards like i've never been that person but my brother's been into it so you know he has decks and we'll play those together like if he constructs them and i've had tons of other friends that have like constructed magic decks that they'll bring and i'll play and i something about it has always been frustrating to me and i think this week was the first time i got my head around what it was and that has made all the difference my frustration was that there is way too much possibility space in the game of magic like there are so many things that can happen on so many different phases at so many different points of the turn oh, yeah. that it always feels like somebody can just do anything to you that you didn't even know was possible and i hate that and so <laughs> because because like i mean hearthstone like when things go bad it's like okay but i knew that that was possible for that to go bad you know and then you move on with your day whereas magic it feels like people are cheating even though they're not it's just that there's so many cards and so many different interactions that those cards can have after what this game's been around for like 25 years or something I like it may, oh man maybe even long be longer time. than that yeah like yeah and i know they retire cards and they get new cards and they change things and they balance it but it's just like 
I have never got my head around the possibility space. So what I started doing is my brother encouraged me to get back into Magic the Gathering Arena, which is the digital version, um, because I'm not going to get into the physical version. I mean, you guys know that enough about me. I don't want to just collect things to have things. <laughs> and <laughs> as you laugh, um, it's that I... <laughs> I'm picking away at it slowly, and I'm only using the starter deck, so it only pairs you up against other people who are using, like, low-level decks, and that's making a world of difference. I don't have to worry about getting, like, surprised by something that I didn't even know was possible. And then as I'm starting to, like, tiptoe out of this, like, safe little newbie space, what I was doing was I would have my brother watch me. Like, I would stream it just to him on Discord, and he would watch me. And then tell me things that I would have no idea about. So he'd be like, you should be thinking about this because X, Y, Z can happen. Or you should play this card because if you think to next turn, think about these other things. And he's basically just being like a player coach to me. And I can only do this in short bursts is the other thing I realized. Like typically if I get into a digital card game, I will play it for long sessions because I really enjoy that. But with Magic the Gathering Arena, I am only playing in, I think the most I played in one burst was like, 30 minutes um there's a lot of the time where i'm doing other stuff on my computer or i'm gonna go play a game on the switch or on my phone or something and like before i start that i'll go and i'll sit down at my computer and i'll play one game of magic arena and then i'll move on and that seems to be the way that i'm able to get into it because i don't get frustrated with the possibility space surprising me if i'm only playing one or two games at a time so i i wanted to bring it up because like i as much as magic has been around me and in front of me so many times over the years, it has never clicked with me. And I don't think I'm far enough into Magic the Gathering Arena to say that it's clicked with me, but it feels like it might, and that's really strange for me. And it's so odd in my mind of it being uh, the possibilities and having all of this stuff, because that's what I like about magic. I like that I can go in and not really know what to expect out of somebody, because whenever I'm playing Hearthstone, that's one of the things that has kept me from playing it lately, is it's always going to be the same meta deck. And it uh, while it gets that way in magic, especially if you're playing in tournaments and high level, uh, things like that and going to states, it's definitely, there's it's way more more open at least in my experience from where uh, some of the online card games were and that's what i like about it so it's odd that it is completely completely different well and i think that's one of the things that's encouraging me to try to stick with it even if i don't but this is why i keep going back is that i i just reached the point where i'm seeing the edges of like how big the possibility space of the game is and because of that, I know that if I can get into it, there is so much there to get into that's just waiting for me to learn about it. Yes. And there are systems and there are complex interactions and there are the things that I like. I just need to learn enough to get over the frustration stage to be get it, able to get into the like, oh, I'm super interested in this stage. Um, the other thing I should mention is that the new player experience for it has changed. And I know this because I played the beta like a long time ago and it might still technically be in beta, but it's like much farther along. I think it might be fully released i don't know it's one of those games where it's really hard to tell and um my brother was telling me about like because he's played it a lot since it came out um he was telling me about how the old one was which was there wasn't a whole lot to it um but now like as you win games you unlock these spheres that there's like a mini sphere grid for your first however many levels in the game and um as you like put these spheres on the sphere grid it will unlock like a bunch of cards at a time so you get like six cards that'll enhance one of your decks one of your like starter newbie decks awesome so there's just a button that like after you unlock it you just hit a button it says upgrade my deck and it'll just put those cards in and take out other cards so like even though i'm still playing the newbie decks they're changing over time and they're getting more complex but they're getting more complex slowly and i don't have to worry about building them the game is building them for me and i also see that if I fill out enough of the sphere grid with these like magic spheres from leveling up, I will reach the point where it will start unlocking like some pre-made multicolor decks that look super interesting too. That's really cool. That's kind of the way that the Pokemon uh, online card game was doing where you had these, these um, basic pre-made decks that you could play and then you win a certain number with them and you unlock new cards that actually you know give you evolutions and more strategies to play and it worked really really well so i'm glad to see that arena has taken that because that was one of my favorite things about the online thing was uh not having to invest a lot and having a good good pool of cards and something fun to play with yeah and I do think it's still technically in beta because there are things missing from this game. Like, there's no friend list. 
and oh. they just recently gave you the ability to play against other people that are not to play against other people. You could always do matchmaking. They just gave the ability very recently to be able to do a match against somebody if you know their username. Oh, so like I my brother you. and I were playing against each other as he's trying to teach me, but I have to like manually go in and type in his username and hit a button to connect with him. So the only way to do it is if you're coordinating outside the game. Like there's no way, there's no chat in the game, there's no friends list in the game, there's no way to actually coordinate it from in the game. But if you're on Discord together, it's super easy to be like, oh, here's my thing, let's play around yep okay yeah that's that's it, definitely a, a feature that's missing yeah it's still it's still beta e so this is probably one i'm going to try to pick away at and just keep on doing a little bit at a time um if it hooks me i'm sure you'll hear more about it because as we all know there is a ton to magic the gathering yeah there's there's so much i i was so deep into magic the gathering for so many years that uh, my wallet thanks me for uh, not doing that. Once I had to start paying for cards on my own was about the time that all of my friends moved uh, out of it. So it was like serendipity. But man, I love Magic the Gathering. That sounds about right. Well, maybe maybe I can drag you into the arena and we'll try I've been we'll meaning to together. install it since you've mentioned it the very first time. It's always on my like to-do list of installing it and playing it. It just has never hit the top of my uh, my list when I'm looking at things. Well, it feels like it should be on mobile too. Like, it'll be a really good fit whenever they get around to that point. But I guess it's still just a single beta client on Windows, which is, it's okay. But again, I don't want to sit down in front of a computer and play a game, like a card game for super long. I'd rather play it on a tablet or on my phone or something. So I hope that comes down the line, too. That would be fantastic. I would I would totally be playing it then. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll drag you into it since I'm I'm playing it in little bits and pieces. Maybe so. Um, that's probably it for this week. You guys can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com, or you can reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have longer discussion threads on our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast. We also have great discussions on Slack and Discord, so go to geek2geekmedia.com for invite links, and you can hang out with us and check out all the other shows and blogs on the network. I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor B. That's Beige with two E's, and I'm blogging at the uh, media network side above. We've been Void and Beige with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, geeks. By the power of Grayskull, that Void doesn't know what I'm talking about. Hi everyone, I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea, and we are the hosts of Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. We are two best friends who love pop culture and talking about pretty much whatever we want. Katie! Yes? Stop thinking about Zac Efron and tell our future listeners what some of our latest episodes have been about. Well, we've talked about Zac Efron. No, get it together, Katie. Fine. We've talked about fan fiction, classical literature adaptations, favorite TV couples, and so much more. So grab your cup of tea or whatever your drink of choice is and download our podcast today. Hi, my name is Joe Hogan, and I'm a geek. And if you're currently listening to this, there's a good chance you're a geek too. So check out my podcast, Geektitude. Each week, I talk with somebody about their geek aptitude. Sometimes I talk to people in a geeky profession. Sometimes it's someone doing something really cool with their geekiness. Often it's another geeky podcaster. But it's always someone who wants to share their inner geek. So join me each week as we come together to geek out about all the geeky stuff we love. And remember, this week, keep it geek. Hello, friends. This is Troidal Power inviting you to join me over on Twitch most weeknights sometime after dinner. Video games have always been a social hobby for me, with friends and family crammed together on a couch chatting away while someone holds the controller. And thanks to the power of the internet, I've got my own virtual couch over on Twitch where you can kick back and goof off while I play games. Find me on Twitch by searching Troidal Power, that's T-R-O-Y-T-L-E Power, to snag a spot on the couch.